Hello there and welcome into Career Competitor. I'm Steve Meller and we are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. Delighted to be welcoming in a connection of mine, Evan Burke. And Evan is a fellow coach like myself and we're going to be talking all things intangibles today. But before we dive into the fantastic content that Evan's going to be delivering to us, I wanted to tell you a little bit about careercompetitor.com. Be sure to go check out the website. Everything you need to know is right there regarding what it is that I'm providing now through Career Competitor, the service, performance coaching, culture consulting. It is all there for you to learn more about and especially give you the opportunity to reach out by clicking on one of the many buttons that I've put on the website that allows you to set up a free consultation, whether it is something that you're looking to do privately in a a performance coaching standpoint, or if it's something that you're trying to do with a team, with an organization from a cultural consulting standpoint, there's opportunities for for you to connect and for us to have a free consultation together, whether it be 30 minutes or an hour, depending on what it is you're looking for, we'll set that up. And you can also just come right to me at steve at careercompetitor.com and you can make your life even easier just by coming right to me and we can get to talking that way as well. But let's bring our attention right back to today's episode with Evan Burke. And Evan is the author of the book, Finding Intangibles. He's also a podcast host like myself of the highest level podcast, but he makes his trade doing keynote speaking and is a leadership coach. Evan's background is truly unique in the sense that he found his way into the sport of football, American football for my British listeners. He found his way into the sport at the fourth grade level and ended up in the NFL. And he did all this in the space of seven years. How did he do it? He did it based on intangibles. He did it based on his work ethic, signature strengths, all these sort of things that he's going to go into within the interview. But specifically, what I really want to highlight here based on our discussion is how much are you willing to invest in establishing the right characteristics in order to build that successful team? It's not about fast, quick solutions. It's about long-term benefit, long-term goals, finding a way to... Yes, you can identify and recruit the talent, but at the same time, you have to look beyond the talent. You have to be willing to address the fact that underneath that talent, there must be these characteristics, there must be these signature strengths that are going to allow both the individual and the organization, the team as a whole, to have long-term success. This is what we get into within our discussion, and there's no better person to really talk to about this than Evan, simply because his story is absolutely filled with evidence of the impact that this type of focus can have both on an individual as in Evan's career development and also as a team in relation to some of the great teams that he was a part of, some of the great leaders that were running institutions that he was a part of. Really excited to dive into this, so why would we wait any longer? Let's welcome in keynote speaker and leadership coach Evan Burke to the Career Competitor Podcast, and I hope you all enjoy. Okay, well, I am... Really excited to have the opportunity to sit down here today and speak with Evan Burke on the Career Competitor Podcast. Evan, first and foremost, brother, how are you? Steve, I'm doing great today. It's a beautiful day here in Dallas, Texas, and really appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've probably had three or four fellow podcasters now on the show, and uh, as the host of the highest level podcast uh, that you you do yourself, and I 
have already been welcomed onto the show at some point in the next uh, in the next couple of months, uh, which I appreciate. I'm always excited to get on with someone who's comfortable with these types of discussions and I'm very familiar with uh, you know the sort of content that we like to discuss. And, and we have a few things in common. Most most significantly, we're both coaches, and I've had the opportunity here in the la- in uh, you know throughout 2022 to actually have some really meaningful chats with fellow coaches, and I just love the opportunity to gain insight into your perspectives, into the way in which you go about your, uh, you know, your business and uh, the way in which you just sort of execute your X's and O's, let's say, of, of, of the coaching world. Uh, but I don't want to give too much more away in terms of who it is you are and what it is you do, Evan. Why don't I just pass it over to you, man? Give everyone some great insight into your backstory and, and just what we need to know about you. Sure thing. And, you know, I, I mirror the same sentiment that you just shared, Steve. I mean, it's been really exciting getting to know you and I'm excited to have you on my podcast uh, here coming up in the next few weeks, hopefully. Mm. Uh, and, and my story is I was a NFL and college football coach for 12 years. Um, I have a little bit of a unique uh, or unconventional path to the highest levels of football. Um, I started as a fourth grade coach and was able to ascend through the college ranks and, and, and actually get to the NFL in six years. Uh, so a lot of football coaches typically are former college or pro players, maybe have a network of coaches that have coached them uh, that they can tap into, or uh, as we're starting to see in the coaching profession, particularly in football, a lot of sons of uh, NFL executives or NFL and college coaches getting into the game. Uh, I, I didn't have any network and I, and I definitely am not an intimidating presence, uh, <laughs> kind of maybe like the uh, your your image of a typical football coach, uh, but obviously something I'm really proud of, uh, able sure. to kind of get into these rooms that are ultra exclusive. Uh, and a lot of it had very little to do with my football knowledge or who I knew. And it had a lot to do with my persistence and my hustle. Uh, and, and as I like to say, a lot of the values that my parents gave me, uh, they, they taught me everything I needed to know about coaching, even though they knew nothing about coaching. <laughs> so um, after 12 years, I decided uh, that I really had just kind of come to the end of my football career. Mm. Um, you know, I had always been driven by a very strong North star, as I put it to be the head coach at the university of Colorado or the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And, uh, towards the end of my, uh, time at UCLA in 2015, I kind of, uh, had a very profound moment where I was kind of looking at the next 20, 30 years of my life, uh, and really didn't want to continue down that path. So, uh, transitioned out of football coaching, but, really still had a passion to coach and, and be, uh, be influential and have an impact on people's lives and continue to develop people. I really look at my entire career as developing people, whether it's on the football field or off of it. And so now I work as a speaker and as a coach and as a trainer, really around personal development, leadership training, and, and working with performance-driven teams to get them to build winning cultures and and achieve at their highest level. Love it. And that's what we're all about, optimizing performance on the show. And uh, for, for you in your journey up to this point, one thing that is abundantly clear straight away, and you, you, you alluded to it there uh, yourself through that 12-year career of coaching football is, is the unique elements um, of, of your journey uh, in terms of the 
the actuality of it, the steps of it, what it was that you achieved and the, the roles that you had going from fourth grade to the NFL in six years is insane. Um, but at the same time, there's another element of unique qualities to it because in order to do something like that, it requires unique traits, unique characteristics. And you alluded to some there, you know, your parents gave you this hustle, this coaching mindset. That's great. But at the same time, it couldn't just be as simple as one or two. There must have been this sort of arsenal of elements of your character that you feel personally um, that you were able to rely upon that separated you and made you some sort of a unique commodity and allowed you to make this unique journey that you made. So let's go back a little bit and, and looking at your football coaching career, tell me what, what stands out to you? What comes to mind? What are those sort of really big characteristic components of yours that you just say, because of these things, this is what separated me and gave me the path that I went on? The first word that comes to mind is perseverance mm. and really this ability to not be initially welcomed in to a lot of the rooms that I walked into and uh, to, in spite of that, continue to push, continue to try and get better. And I think also continue to look for my type of people, the, the mm. coaches and the people that I aligned with. And again, like I said, if you looked at me, you would not peg me as a football coach. You definitely wouldn't peg me as a, a college or an NFL coach. And I think that was detrimental early on in my career because a lot of people are looking at me thinking, you know, what is this guy about? Why is he here? Uh, I, I obviously had a different story than anybody in any room I was ever in, um, mm. regardless of the level. And to kind of have that resolve to continue to push, to continue to strive towards this North Star that I, I was aiming at. And yeah. I like to tell people that it doesn't make life easy, but it makes life very simple because a lot of the decisions I made for 12 years were only considering achieving this one goal. And so if it was you know deciding between two jobs or moving to a different city, or going to work with a different coach, everything was through the lens of what is going to help me get closer to being the head coach at the University of Colorado. Mm -hmm. And that, in that sense, it was very simple. It, it, it broke it down very simply. Now, obviously, the path was, was not easy. So I, I think the perseverance is, is just one thing that kind of stands out to me. And then also work ethic. And, and you were just alluding to it as well. Um, that is definitely probably the the singular most important thing that I think my parents passed on to me, it's always been very important in our family. I, I was mm -hmm. telling somebody the other day, my grandfather going to work at 5 a.m. every day, uh, working on the weekends, uh, my mom working as an airline stewardess as she put herself through college. Uh, and these stories almost got kind of stuck in my subconscious. Uh, but I think that consistency of work ethic was another thing that really stood out on my path. And, and I could probably sit here and name a, a couple <laughs> half dozen others, but I, I, those are the two things that really stand out because even though I, I'm kind of telling you that, yes, initially people probably didn't understand me, didn't understand who I was. Mm. Um, I, I think that over time, because I showed up every day and because it didn't matter whether I was passing out Chick-fil-A's <laughs> or making copies or drawing up, offensive blocking schemes like I was there to dominate mm. and I would say it 
and I would operate like that. And I think it became apparent to the people that knew me and that worked with me that even despite early on, maybe not appearing like I was a football coach, like I was there to be a football coach. Uh, I wasn't playing coach in a sense. So uh, I think like those two pieces really kind of allowed me to not only like aim higher, but also push higher through the successes and the failures. Yeah. The off the chart with purpose. I mean, the purpose just comes through everything that you're talking about here. And again, we can use words like intention as well, but that purposeful nature is is always going to get you through the hard times and, and, and just really starting to focus in on, on something uh, more specific that you brought there is the simplicity of having that one goal, it, although not easy. And I think that's such a very, it's such a valuable piece of insight because here we are with people listening to this show, looking on how they can make an impact on so many areas potentially of their careers and so many areas potentially of their lives. And here you are saying that just simply by having a northern star, simply by having this carrot, if you will, dangled in front of you from an, in, from an in, uh, intrinsic standpoint, you were saying like, this is my intention, this is my purpose, this is where I'm heading. And because of that intention, I'm able to make decisions, I'm able to act in the present in a way that is relentless, that does come from a place of work, that does come from a place of resilience. And I find that to be incredibly powerful and also something that I think that most people will just need to hear is that sometimes it just takes the one, it just takes that one big goal, that one intention in your life to bring out all this fantastic part all these uh, fantastic parts, sorry, of, of you and bringing your best version to the table. Yeah, I mean, you could get me going off for the next two hours uh, on, <laughs> on just this, on it just takes one. But I, I think that, you know, starting from fourth grade football, when I was 19, 20 years old, I was still a student at the University of Colorado. Mm. Uh, like, I didn't know any better. And I still had this strong North Star, but I didn't know where to start. So I literally started at like the very bottom. I, I probably could have gone and volunteered at the at the Colorado football team or, or the equipment office. I could have gone to a local high school right off the bat. Uh, but for whatever reason, that was how I built it up in my mind, which was I'm going to go here and I don't know where to start. So I'm just going to start at the at the very bottom and work my way up. I, I could have never have imagined at 19 years old coaching in the NFL six years later. Uh, but I think that also has some power too, where you can't do anything in this year. Like you're a fourth mm. grade football coach. So like you do the best you can. And look, let's be honest here. I wasn't gaining a tremendous amount of knowledge that first year. I think that mm. was more just building the foundation of who I wanted to become and, and solidifying this vision for myself and then you start to pick up momentum as you have those small successes, right? Like you go from fourth grade football to high school, then you go from high school to division one college, then you're in college and you get to the NFL. And was I ready for each of those steps? Probably not. Uh, hmm. But like, that's, that's where your growth comes. That's like putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation 
I did that a bunch in my career. And uh, to your point, it, it just takes one. It just takes one team to hire you. It just takes one lovely young lady to fall in love with you. So um, I, I definitely uh, believe in that. It only takes one life philosophy. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, not knowing where to start as well is a whole different conversation in its place, but having the intention and just saying, hey, I, I, just, I just need to start. I just need to get started. Because if I get started, then at least I'm one step closer to figuring this thing out, right? You know, and, and so if, if again, you listen to this and you're thinking, okay, how in the world do you go from in any career path, a version of fourth grade coaching to NFL coaching in six years, you got to just start. Even if you don't know where to start, find a starting point somewhere, get your foot moving in one step at a time and, and you're going to start to get this sense of like okay this is starting to make more sense this is starting to make more sense but to your point each step of the way there's always going to be this feeling of like i don't really know what it is i'm going into here each and every time but because of these intangibles and i'm going to use that word for the first time as you know well um because of these intangibles i can always fall back on these where i don't have necessarily the knowledge I know I have the characteristics to get me through and to figure this out. And you've got to trust in those characteristics. And the reason I brought up the word intangibles and Evan smiles as I do so is because Evan is the author of Finding Intangibles. Finding Intangibles. Uh, why don't you just tell us about the book first and then we're going to dive into a few things with that. Sure thing. And appreciate you bringing that up, Steve. Uh, flawless transition right there. <laughs> uh, so so the, this book, Finding Intangibles, which I just recently published here in uh, early 2022, hmm. is uh, really through the lens of my career as a football coach and what I was seeing in the commonalities of the great performers and the championship teams that I coached on, opposed, and studied. And it was never the teams that had the most talent or the, the athletes that had the most ability that were successful at the highest levels. It was always the people in the teams that had the most character and this idea that look, talent is very easy to judge and mm. anybody that's worked in a high performance business or in athletics knows when they see talent What's really hard to discover is the intangibles and mm. the true character of a person. And, and really what this gets at the heart at is, is this person going to have success when they join our team or when they step up to this competition level? You know, it's interesting. I hadn't really equated this, but, you know, you were just kind of outlining all these places I was and primarily because of my intangibles, definitely mm. not my talent, not my network. Uh, but like what constitutes success in a extremely competitive environment, like professional and college football coaching, hmm. like, yes, you have to have a baseline of talent. You have to know what defenses are. You have to know how to watch film. You know, have to, you have to know how to teach, uh, the players, the, the plays that you're going to call on Saturday and Sunday. But I would make the argument that that is a very actual minuscule part of, of success. And the people that have success are the people that have that growth mindset, that have that true ambition to be great. Uh, people that not only are likable, but are great teammates that are willing to sacrifice personal success in order to promote the team success. 
and, and I always felt like this and I didn't quite know if that was right because I was a young coach and I was learning a lot of things for the first time. But as I progressed through my coaching career, I started to find more and more coaches that were aligned with the way that I thought about talent evaluation. And, it, and I don't think it's a coincidence that all those coaches were the best coaches that I was around. Right. Uh, so I, I saw this theme. I saw these patterns in the great performers and the championship teams and uh, really felt compelled to write this book and, you know, really kind of uh, a culmination of my 20 years in coaching. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, firstly, I'm so glad you did because I'm, I'm glad that I was able to notice and observe that you were, in fact, uh, in many ways, living what you're now preaching through this book uh, throughout your career. Um, but at the same time, what I what I want to really bring this conversation around to now is what we're about on this show: being competitive. You know, being a true competitor at what it is you do. And the my favorite thing about the word competitor that has just completely evolved and really been strengthened and and established through this show is that it starts from right inside of us. Like our greatest competitor is staring at us in the mirror every morning when we wake up and we're surrounded by competitors in our industries and whatever it may be each and every day. But until we can truly get a handle on that competitor, looking at us in the mirror, it's always going to be difficult to to really optimize our performance. So with that being said, when, when you look at you know, the research that you did through this book, because I know a lot of it was, uh, you know, it was, you were all over the place. You were talking to many people from around the country, around the NFL, around college, all sorts of stuff. So you had so many different minds and experiences that really came and influenced the writing of this book. But when we look at intangibles, what would you say intangibles can do when it comes to optimizing the competitors that we are? Well, I think a lot of my work, so even since early in my career has really been more about uh, what you just described. And, and like you, you alluded to my podcast called the highest level. Mm. Um, you know, I, I started my business and I called it the highest level and, and what the highest level represents. Yes. The highest level of competition, but it's really performing at your highest level each and every day. Uh, and, and I used to work with a great coach, used to always say, uh, what's the score? What is the score? The score doesn't matter. Whether we're down 40 or whether we're up 20 or it's a tie game in the fourth quarter, like the goal is to perform at our highest level. And defining that for yourself and holding yourself to those high standards uh, is a lot of what I want my work to represent. Uh, I think that uh, maybe accurately describes exactly what you want your work to represent. And I think if you talk to any of the great athletes and let's just take like the very, very best, sure. the Michael Jordans, the Tom mm. Brady's, the, the Kobe Bryant's yes, mm. they want to win championships. They're measured by championships, but these guys are built differently. Um, and, and, you know, I'm naming, I'm naming those players because they come to mind, but uh, you know, the women's championship, just uh, the the women's basketball championship yeah. was just one. Yeah. And one of the things I love is I, I believe her name's Aaliyah Boston uh, had missed a, a crucial shot in last year's final four that ended up sending her team home. Yeah. Uh, and she came back this year and was the most valuable player of the tournament in South Carolina wins the, the national championship. Uh, and 
you know, she was kind of talking about like smiling after the game. And, and there was like a meme that had come up last year because she was crying at the end of this game. And yes, she's winning the championship, but it's like, think about what it takes to get back to that point. Uh, if you're a competitor, that is not easy in the moments after you lose, hmm. let alone if you can be maybe blamed for yeah. your team's loss. And yeah. you think about all of the 360 days probably that led up to that one moment. Uh, but to continually get up off the mat and give your absolute best the next day, regardless of what happened the previous day, whether you mm. threw a no hitter or whether it was your worst outing of your career right. uh, is really what defines the very best teams. And, and like I mentioned, the, the very best competitors. I, I absolutely love that um, example that you gave there because it had nothing to do with talent. I mean, she had the same amount of talent when she, when they lost the game a year ago and she had the same amount of talent when they won this year, but, something had to change something had to shift and it was from within it was that it was it, it was the mental component it was the characteristics within her that were forced to adjust forced to shift in some way shape or form and, and she had to probably double down on a few things that she'd never had to before to firstly get over the loss and secondly set herself up to go be a champion again and it, yes. so for for me the, the those types of intangibles again in the world of sport Sadly, they're very rarely acknowledged in those moments of triumph. Usually in the days afterwards as we are now, we start to get into it a little bit more. But what I love about the workplace, just kind of shifting this to sort of corporate American now, thinking of it from this side of things, our days are just filled, filled with constant feedback, constant results. You know, we, we, we do a task, we, we finish an assignment, we move on to the next one. And so often we're not necessarily reflecting and looking back and saying okay what characteristics what sort of components allowed me to be successful with this one or what was it that maybe didn't allow me to be as successful the last time I did something like this so just kind of remaining on this this uh this theme here for a little bit tell me a little bit about more from the other side of maybe reflection how how can people reflect and start to acknowledge the actual intangibles they have because I think that's very difficult for an individual to do Again, with this idea of looking in the mirror at ourselves, how do we sort of identify our own intangibles? I really think a lot of the work that I do ends up kind of going back to reverse engineering what dictates success in any environment that I step into. Uh, the principles that I teach, even though they're from football and, and they're through the lens of a football coach, apply to every environment I've worked in. And I've worked in professional esports, I've worked in startups, I've worked in big corporate companies, and it's the exact same principles. And one of the big things I have is that, okay, so you compete in this competitive industry or sport. Hmm. Uh, what dictates success for the people that have the most success or the success you want to emulate? In hmm. uh, reverse engineering that, in trying to either build that within your team, build that within yourself, or, or going out and finding those intangibles, so to speak, uh, that, that are going to result in your success. And this is where a lot of teams and specifically coaches and, and team executives get it wrong. They think it's all about talent. They think mm -hmm. it's all about the athletic ability. They think it's all about all these other things. And talent, you need talent. Uh, I talk in my book about the talent paradox. Uh, talent is essential 
to success, but success is not determined by talent. No team stands on the podium at the end of the season is like, man, you know, this was so easy. We yeah. had the most talented team. Yeah. We just we coasted to the, to the finals. <laughs> right. No, no team says that. Right. Um, even the very best teams, like you're always going to be dealing with random events and setbacks. That's the way it is in sports. And that's the way it is in life. Hmm. Uh, so I'm starting to get super fired up here, Steve. <laughs> but I think like one of the things, uh, like I'll, I'll give a tactical piece real quickly uh, in, in football coaching, especially we used to do what we called an after action review or an after action mm. report. Uh, this was borrowed from the military, but in football, what we would do is we would play this game on a Saturday, let's say. Uh, and then on Sunday, you are going back before you move on to the next team, the next game you're going to play, you are looking at everything that just happened. So we played a game. And let's just say we lost that game by 10 points to a team that was not as talented as us. We should have won. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like what coaches will do is they'll go back and they'll look at, okay, how was our strategy? Like, did they play the same type of strategy that we anticipated that we practiced for all week? Was it a coaching issue? Did we have players that didn't perform up to their normal ability and standards uh, did we make mistakes in our decision-making as coaches? What caused us to lose this game? And we're, you can't just watch film and say, oh, yep, Steve, you dropped the ball, you right. idiot. Like, don't right. drop the ball. Yeah. Uh, you have to actually go back and, and be self-aware and honest with yourself about why you lost or why you won uh, and, and address those issues that next day and there's always issues even teams that win like mm. there's always issues there's always places you could have performed better uh going back to our example about competitive greatness and, and not measuring yourself by oh we won so everything's great mm -hmm. um i've been a part of plenty of games where we were more talented and we end up i'll, I'll just say it escaping with a win sure. and there was a ton of things that we could have learned from that film the next day so yeah. um i think doing an after action review of yourself and of your skills and of what where you want to go and maybe reverse engineering where you might fit in or what you have to develop in order to elevate yourself uh to, to get yourself closer to that north star yeah, I like both those terms, uh, after action report and uh, certainly the idea of just stopping and reverse engineering the situation and seeing, looking elsewhere maybe to find the types of ideals, find the types of traits that you obviously want to be able to rely more upon within yourself. And, and, and we as coaches, you know, a lot of our job is making people aware of this and encouraging them to go and seek this information and go and educate themselves on whatever this may be. But what I really enjoy what you're saying there too is that there's, there's teachables in the victories as well. And it's too it's too easy just to respond to the losses. It really is. We all we all want to be assessed when we lose. We all want the feedback when we lose. But when we win, we just want to celebrate, right? We just want to say, hey, we're the best. We're great. We're awesome. Not necessarily. You know, there's, there's still so many teachables and I would argue in our victories, we're probably in a, a clearer headspace in many ways to actually learn a little bit more. We're not we're not fighting as much of the maybe the emotional burden that comes with loss. Um, and we can actually be a little bit more present in the in the victories too. I mean, I'm that's just a notion I'm throwing out there. What do you think of that? 
No, no, that's interesting. Uh, don't mean to push back on you on your podcast. Please Steve. do. Let's do it. Uh, but, but like, <laughs> I think one of the hardest things to do in sports is to avoid complacency, mm. especially for the really great teams. And I would make the argument that it's harder after a win to go back and self-reflect and look at all these places that you can improve because it's very easy. I think it's human nature almost. And especially if you're a college coach and you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds, it's very easy to kind of like relax and take your Mm. foot off the brake. Uh, The the best coaches that I've seen have actually done it the other way. When, when there's a loss now, let's just say that it's not a loss because of lack of effort or something that would, would cause a coach to maybe uh, get a little fired up, (laughs) but let's just say it was a competitive game and it just didn't shake out that way. I've almost seen coaches more like, like pull back and like, let go of the reins and kind of like, almost like reassure the team, like, Hey guys, we're on the right path. Mm -hmm. Like these are the type of games that we're going to be in because of our style of play. And we just need to be better at these, you know, three or four areas, but I love where we are. I love the fight, et cetera, et cetera. It's a lot harder to do that after a win. So the best coaches that I've seen after a win, it's like, you know, even though we won and it can, and honestly, after the biggest games is when those coaches are like the most fired up. Steve, do we not come in here every single day and talk about running full speed to balance on the kickoff? Right. Yeah, we talk about that every day. Then why are you not doing it on this last kickoff of the game? Right. I don't care what the score is. We're here to perform at our highest level. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing a very poor uh, uh, Frank Gann senior impression. <laughs> but like these are the type of traits that the really great leaders uh, have because like you need that on those teams you need to like mm. when when it's going good that's when you need to be tight that's when you need to like pull everyone in and hold them rigorously to those high standards and and depending on the state of your program or or the state of the loss almost like reassure them in those moments of adversity that like hey we're gonna get back up and we're gonna fight again so yeah. didn't mean to push back on you there but like no, I love that's it just my own perspective I'm just sharing my own perspective well here's, here's the thing here's the thing is what I love about it is that you come from a team perspective of sport and I actually come from an individual perspective and I think that's this is where we're starting to notice here like yes. you know, you're 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 having to deal with the masses every single time after loss and after victories and when I come from the world of swimming, so much of mine was like, you couldn't necessarily determine it as a win and a loss. Only one person gets to touch the wall first and something. So everyone else in all those other lanes has to determine on their own accord, okay, was that a win or was that a loss in terms of my performance? So now suddenly you're working with someone on that level too. So we got we to gotta have to create a whole new podcast, man, just, uh, just for the two of us to go back and forth and push back against one another and all that kind of thing. One from a team side, one from an individual side, all that kind of thing. So um, I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's get that going. Let's get that going. Let's get that going. Yeah, coming summer 2022. I love it. I love it. Um, well, Evan, uh, you know, I'm sure that everyone listening can tell, you know, you and I could probably chat away here for, for quite a while longer, but so much insight here. And, and what I really enjoy so, um, about the whole thing is that all of it is incredibly 
incredibly applicable to anybody who's listening is that you should be able to see or hear yourself in what we've spoken about here today and i think that's always important you know we're, we're talking so much about high performance we're talking so much about things like professional athletes and whatnot but it's all relevant it's all relevant to you as you listen to this as you go about your typical day-to-day there's ways to assess wins and losses. There's ways to assess where you're being competitive and where you're maybe selling yourself a little short, whatever it may be. There's all these ways of making those assessments. And so much of what Evan's presented here today obviously allows us to sort of see that in ourselves if we're willing to take a moment, maybe do some sort of an after-action report and just give it a little bit of thought. So uh, Evan, I appreciate all of this, man. Listen, before I let you go, tell everybody where they can get your book and just anywhere else we can maybe learn more about you too. So you can find my book on Amazon. It's called Finding Intangibles. Uh, you mentioned my podcast earlier, so I'll plug mm-hmm. that real quick. Please uh, do. It is, it is called The Highest Level, and it really sits at the intersection of sports and leadership and really just kind of examining athletes, team executives, uh, coaches, and, and really just examining the leadership excellence at the highest levels and, and how championship teams are built. Mm. Uh, and you can find that on any podcast platform. Uh, and then if you want to connect with me, uh, I am at coach Evan Burke, B U R K no E uh, on all social media channels. Uh, I guess if I had a preference, it would be Twitter or you can find mm. me on my website, www.coachevanburke.com. Appreciate that, man. All of that will be in our show notes as well for anyone who's curious to to follow up on that. But in the meantime, brother, I just appreciate the time. This has been fun. I can't wait to reciprocate and be the guest on uh, the Highest Level podcast soon. But in the meantime, listen, all the best with everything you're doing, brother, and look forward to, to catching up soon. Yes. Thank you so much, Steve. And my thanks again to Evan for joining us on today's episode. Just awesome content. And I love the pushback too. We joked a little bit after the recording. He thought he was stepping on my toes a little bit by pushing back. But this is a competitive podcast. If we, if how often do we get the opportunity to compete with the guest? Me as the host, the guest bringing it as much as I'm bringing it too. We should be competing, right? I love that he was able to push back, and we were both able to see things from those two different perspectives of team versus individual, and so much of what Evan is presenting here very much is about team success and we continue to talk off air about what those differences can look like and and i'm sure in time either i'll be on his podcast or he'll be back on here and we'll even attack this whole idea and notion from the individual perspective but for now this this notion of optimizing team performance the term i just love was just reverse engineering you know a term i've heard before but the way in which evan illustrated it and explain that if if we don't know where we're heading if we don't understand what that perceived idea of success is going to look like that intention then how can we possibly put those pieces in place within our organization within the individuals within those intangibles that are going to lead us to this top of the mountain How, how do we get to the top of the mountain if we don't have the work ethic resources how do we get to the top of the mountain if we don't have those interpersonal qualities those communicative qualities that are going to promote collaboration within the workplace and these are just a few off the top of my head you know your business you know your team better than i do better than evan does what do the types of intangibles look like that you need to promote future successes for you to reach that promised land 
in time and know that you've optimized the performance and the potential of your organization and of your team. Give that some thought. Reverse engineering mindset can have such impact in the present by coming at this from the approach of where are we heading? What does that finish look like? That finished product, what does it look like? And how do we need to come back from that and start to build up to that over time? So again, thanks to Evan for joining us on the show. Make sure you head to his website and consider his services either as a speaker or a leadership coach at some time for your organization. But moving forwards, I have so many interviews lining up. I am almost, and I don't think I'll ever get to the point of overwhelm, but I'm almost there. I'm almost overwhelmed by the amount of interest when people are coming on the show. And I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited about the diversity and the opportunities that we're bringing to you just to continue to promote your education, your perspective, just your overall toolbox when it comes to being the most competitive version of yourself. We are going to get you to that optimal standard at some point by checking out and tuning into this show week in, week out. But in the meantime, keep going at whatever it is you're doing. Be sure again to reach out to me at steve at careercompetitor.com if you'd like 30 minutes of my time to chat and to see what working together might look like. And hey, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts right now, don't go anywhere without clicking that fifth star and be sure to share the show with anyone you think it could be of impact to as well. All the best with everything you've got going on and bye for now.